few shots worth of vodka. You can't talk when he's trying to push the button. Oh my goodness, now we're starting. <laughs> no, no, put in a new marker. <laughs> Do it. I am not going to start talking for real until you put in a new marker. This is 8-Bit, episode 51. This achievement is impossible to get. On Saturday, October 26, 2013, and now, use the rape whistle. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker. So as you guys may recall, <laughs> we were totally both in St. Paul last weekend, and I think it was, it was a pretty awesome show, don't you? Oh, yeah. I love being actually in a studio with people because, I mean, at group dynamics, group conversations just work so much better oh, yeah. than, you know, when we're a whole screen away and hundreds of miles. But right afterwards, right after the show, what did we do? We went to a pub. Yeah. And uh, so we found this, actually, Savannah showed me this pub uh, the night before. It's called Chatterbox, and it is a really sweet place. So they have retro games all over the place. They've got, you know, NESs and arcade boxes. Um, they have board games for you to go and try out. We played Yahtzee. I lost. I won! I was so mad that I lost, because by all rights, I should have had it. I, I felt so confident that I was going to win. And I totally should have, because I just needed one five. I needed a single five to get enough points to win. And then all three of my rolls, I got absolutely no fives. That was insane. It's how anyway, it crumbles. It's, it's, it's so true. And what, what else did they have there? Well, let's see. Um, well, we already talked about the games. It's a pub, so guess what that means, boys? Uh, they have things to drink. Uh-huh. And so... I was looking over the drink menu because I'm 21 and I can, and I found I wasn't really expecting to drink much that night just because I was stressed, and I try not to drink when I'm stressed, but I found one that was too perfect not to try. They have, um, in pint-sized cans, 8-bit pale ale, 8-bit beer of gamers. Yeah, and so we saw that, and it was just like, it was too good to pass up because we had just come from doing 8-bit. So I ordered one. Buck took a sip. Or, did you even take a sip? No, I took a sip of the other thing that you had because you were like, this doesn't even taste like alcohol, and I'm like, yes, it does. That's what happens after a pint of beer. You can't really taste much. Yeah, apparently not. Because it was tasty. But yeah, so, I mean, Chatterbox seems like the perfect place to, for example, like meet up for a, a weekly D&D campaign or something like that. I mean, it just seems like the coolest place ever. Oh, hi, Sarah. Oh, my gosh, Ian, there's a girl in your room. What do you do? Oh, what's going to happen? I know. I'm shirtless, too, so. <laughs> well. That's what I'll do. Kiss you we can both do Okay, that. then I'll have to kiss you again. I'm a referee for um, this Halloween thing dance we're putting on, so. Look at my body. I'm trying. I don't know. Although, <laughs> referees don't always wear baseball caps. Um, yeah. I can wear sunglasses. I have... I have sunglasses. Or do you have some sort of whistle? Nathan was like, use the rape whistle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. I'm not bringing that to a public event. <laughs> Is this for a uh, like a Halloween party or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. So Gustavus, the campus, um, every Saturday there's basically a big all-campus party that's thrown um by one of the student organizations, and the one this year is a ho or not this year, this weekend, because it's done every weekend. 
Mm, wow. Different places off in time, so it kind of. I mean, they're all in the same building, but what we do varies. Like sometimes it's movie nights in the pool. Sometimes it's um, a giant laser tag fest. Sometimes it's dances like this. Sometimes it's big um, playground stuff. Just lots and lots and lots of cool big party things. And so the one for tonight is a Halloween dance. Yes. Yes, it's a Halloween dance, and there's prizes and. Our uh, our event tonight is a zombie prom, which also kicks off humans versus zombies. So uh, I've got my my Nerf guns, which we modded for assassins, you know, back in high school. Yep. And I brought a couple, so I am so ready for this. I'll be back. Oh okay. my gosh! Tell, tell me about the Nerf wars that we're in. Back. <laughs> yeah. So um. She, see ya. She and her best friend do a um do a radio show. Mine's sitting up there right now. Um, she and her best friend do a radio show every Monday night and every Saturday night in um, well, for the entire campus to hear. And so I went and dropped her off at that after the music thing. And in the building, um, there was a giant Nerf war going on. I don't know wow. who orchestrated it or why I wasn't informed. <laughs> but it was... It was pretty glorious. So we were standing there hugging and kind of got in the middle of the crossfire. And she's like, okay, shuffle this way. <laughs> I have to say, when I am dual wielding Nerf guns, I kind of feel like the Gunzerker. You look like the Gunzerker. And it's so awesome. nobody else would be able to dual wield assault rifles. No. <laughs> and Kaylin's pretty jealous of my uh, sniper rifle. She wants one. <laughs> Maybe I'll let her uh, borrow my sniper rifle, but you know. Maybe. Because honestly, the pistol's probably going to be a lot easier to use in this game. Yeah. But then, enough about that. Let's get on to the video games. I concur. So, this week, uh, we don't have too, too much in the way of headlines, but we have several um, special announcements and a couple of reviews, so this should be uh, a pretty good length episode. So, do you remember the uh, Google Quantum AI Lab that we talked about a couple years ago, or weeks ago? Years ago. Wow. Um, oh, this was the thing that was going to make GLaDOS a thing? Uh, I don't know if they were planning on making GLaDOS into a thing, but, but it's... Could. But, yeah. Um, so, they've come out with a Minecraft mod that incorporates quantum physics concepts like quantum entanglement, superposition, and observer dependency. And their goal with this mod is to make it easier for kids to understand and play around with these concepts outside of the context of, you know, thought experiments and textbooks. And huh. I've watched a few videos of it, and the result kind of seems like it works like antechamber in Minecraft. And if you'll remember, Antichamber was a game that we reviewed earlier this year, um, and it uh, is pretty crazy. the The map will change around you as you right, move. Right. Yeah, it, it's oh, so mind bending. I I think I got about a quarter of the way through the game and couldn't understand the puzzles anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't remember us talking about that, but as someone who's wanting to be a teacher, I really like this. Mm -hmm. I've been a huge supporter of any sort of alternative teaching methods or any way that teaching is made more fun so that it grips more more kids' attention. It makes them want to learn as opposed to, oh, now I have to go and read this. Oh, now I have to do my homework. It's, okay, i got to go play my game. I, I, I can do that. That's how I felt about um, Mr... Ellos? Uh No, 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 Mr. Uh, Brigger? 
uh, history teacher at Central. He, uh, he he was my world history teacher, and he uh, he uh, related everything to Star Wars. <laughs> it was pretty great. Sounds like it. I don't know. I find that really really cool. Um, so yay! All right. So moving on. So everyone, y'all need to go over to YouTube when you get the chance and look up the channel Ami A W E M E, and then look for the particular show that they have. Excuse me, called Man at Arms. It is featuring a particular guy. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he he has worked on several projects and made swords and different blades and whatnot for several movies. And what he's been doing is he's made a web series based around him making these blades and whatnot. And um and he does swords and blades from video games and movies and TV shows. Everything from like like with Minecraft, what we were just talking about. He's made the diamond sword for that. Um, he's made the let's see, um, the orcish battle axe for Skyrim. He's made Finn's sword from Adventure Time, and most recently, um, because it's one of our favorite game series, and that gets us excited, he made um, the hidden blade from Assassin's Creed. Apparently, this was like the most requested weapon on his channel. Well, can you blame him? Nope. It's really cool. It looks to be a really challenge, and it'd be really interesting to see how exactly he makes it and puts it together. So, and it is. He takes you through step by step, pretty much how he does this. Mm-hmm. Um, and since Assassin's Creed Four is coming out, he also went ahead and made a cutlass as well. Yep. What yep, with yep. pirates and all. And both look absolutely gorgeous. And both are working too. Uh, that's another thing that they do is at the end of each episode they go, go and take whatever weapons that he makes and. Go, they go and just bash stuff, cut stuff, have fun. That um, watermelon didn't stand a chance. That watermelon didn't stand a chance. And actually, something that I noticed, so the watermelon, there was the slice uh, that came off from where he sliced it, but there was also a crack. That usually doesn't happen. I've seen, mm. what usually happens is he just takes a sword, makes a clean slice, and it just, slice, it, the thing falls apart. And that, that was from the cutlass, right? Because there... Yeah. There were two watermelons, the one that he stabbed a bunch of times with the hidden blade, and then the other one where he sliced it. Well, that'll do it, too. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the, I think actually the most impressive break that I saw was um, from Final Fantasy VII. He made the Buster Sword, which was also one of the really, really well-requested ones. And it's this thing was big enough, and he, he ended up having to make it out of aluminum just so that someone would be able to actually pick it up. Well, so two people could pick it up. So it, re- it required two people to get it up above the guy's head. <laughs> yeah. And so he drops it, and it, instead of actually swinging it, he just basically drops it and lets gravity to do the work. He cuts not only the melon in half, but the table in half. <laughs> and I believe we covered that episode when it came out last year. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. So go so, this guy up. It's always fun. Have you ever heard of Octodad? Um, I've heard about Octomom. Well, so Octodad is uh, a video game that uh, is in the works right now. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I, I wasn't really sure what it was going to be until I watched this hilarious gameplay video. So basically, imagine Surgeon Simulator, but you're trying to live someone's life instead of performing surgery, and you're controlling every single one of his limbs, but he's an octopus, and his limbs can go pretty much any way that you want them to. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah, and this this is a uh, a gameplay video of the, kind of the first level of the game, I think, where he is going to be getting married to his fiance, and uh, you know you have to try to walk around, like find his suit, and 
try not to make a mess of, of the wedding hall as you're walking, you know, down the aisle. But he's an octopus, and, you know, his limbs are flopping all over the place. <laughs> it's basically impossible. <laughs> impossible! That sounds... I don't, I don't know if it would be quite as hilarious as Surgeon Simulator, but it looks like it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so one of the games that I talk about most frequently on here, just because it's in the news so much, because it's so dang popular, is League of Legends. So, as I'm sure many of you guys know, especially those who have been listening, Season 3 just recently concluded. And so, they re- um, recently, um, Riot released a blog post um, detailing some of the changes that they have in mind specifically for the upcoming season. So, it has five bullet points as to big things that are going to be coming. So, first thing that is going to be happening is wards are going to be, wards, sorry, not wards, wards, W-A-R-D-S, are going to be changing. Um, it will make it so that, in the original game, there were two kinds of wards, green wards and pink wards. Green wards um, would sit there and they would be invisible, but they would run out of time eventually, whereas pink wards would, um, they would do the same, but you could also see invisible units. And they would just grant you area or vision of an area of a map. What's happening now is the pink wards are no they no longer have that timer, so they're there permanently, but they're also made visible to the enemy team. So that wait, the pink ones are the ones that can see invisible people? Yes. Huh, so I'm not sure if that actually makes them more powerful or less powerful. It makes them in a lot of ways it, it, it makes it strat- more strategic on how you have to place it and um, how you defend against it because if they see someone or if someone from the enemy team sees it, they can easily destroy it, whereas in the previous season, it would be invisible, so they would just run right past it unless they had another pink ward with which to see mm-hmm. the invisible ward. Um, but so now those are, excuse me, those are now visible, and also, again, they don't have that timer, so they are left there permanently. So if you can find a good place to put that, that can and will give you a vision of a map, per, or, excuse me, a part of a map permanently. Now... Are, if wards are placed in a bush, are they hidden until you go into that bush? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Gosh, the complexity of all of this fog of war and, you know, <laughs> invisible units is so complicated. In some ways. Let's see. So there's uh, the wards, the vision wards. Um, there's also going to be each player gets something called a trinket. And there's one of three options. It, one of them um, gives you a free ward. One of them gives you... Um, Basically a free ward, but it's you don't have to place it near you, and it's for like just a couple seconds where you see vision. Whereas with the ward, when you have to be right next to it to place it down. So so wait, you can place this thing for a couple of seconds anywhere on the map. You're saying? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, I mean they have that already as a summoner spell, mm. but this would give you an extra one of those if you really really wanted it. Um, so there's that, and there's also one that gives you vision of invisible units. Or things around you, so like Timo shrooms, or um, or other wards. Wow! So this is all about vision. It's all about well, that's one of the main things. That's the first bullet point. <laughs> all these changes. Um, second one, this one, uh, there hasn't been a Reddit post on what changes are going to be coming in, but it says there's a new jungle that's going to be coming. There's going to be a new fourth monster camp. Um, for the junglers to go and hit up and get experience and gold from, which will change routes and everything and be kind of interesting. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, supports. Supports, in a lot of ways, just the supporting role is getting a huge upgrade. There are, let's see, um, people who get more assists than kills, by far, are going to be now getting gold bonuses, 
Um, I believe they're going to be getting higher gold per t- gold per ten. Um, uh, they might have. Uh, let's see. Are support roles typically underappreciated, or do people actually understand how crucial they are? Generally, they're rather underappreciated. Mm. So, for what most people see them as, it's just oh, you you give me vision and you heal me. That's really about it. Um, because what they do is okay, the support. Okay, first things first. The game um, the game strategy is thus: there is, or sorry, there are two top laners, um, <coughs> one from each team. Um, and they go against each other head to head. There's a single mid laner that goes against, well, single mid laner from each team that goes against each other head from head. The top laner is a bruiser, so they can take damage. They can also deal a fair amount of damage back. Um, mid is all about burst. So the ability to find the weakest target, or sorry, building a character that's able to find the weakest target on the enemy team and do as much damage to them in a short amount of time as possible, and then basically be done, run away. Um, then on the bottom, there is support and ADC. The ADC's job is to provide constant damage in team fights. They're the guys who build attack speed and attack damage, so they attack quickly, and their attacks do quite a bit of damage, um, making it so that... Um, Again, they have that constant damage. Their initial attacks won't do quite as much damage as a single burst from one of the mid laners, but they'll be able to do it more often and not have to worry about cooldowns quite as much. And then the support, um, they do everything from provide vision, or not provide vision, uh, provide vision. (laughs) Provide vision! Um, They provide vision, they work on zoning out the enemy team, so it's a lot of understanding game mechanics. Um, they'll oftentimes be disruptions for the enemy team. They um, they will be regenerative and help sustain your champion. They're basically everyone who focuses on utility as opposed to just straight-up combat. Um, and then there's also a jungler who is sort of the, the, in a lot of ways, the most difficult role to play just because you have to be all over the map, know how lanes are going, how different characters work um, the most because you're going to be the one that's interacting with everyone on the entire map. So absolutely not a job for me. No. <laughs> um, but so supports are generally seen as the easiest goal because it's like, give vision and don't die <laughs> is what the general thought of is their role. Though there's definitely a lot more to it than that. Someone who gets stuck with support a lot because I'm like, ah, I'll just do whatever people don't want to do. I generally get stuck on that role because it's not seen as an up, up fourth combat role. Um, but so they're they're getting a lot they're getting a big boost in that they're getting a better gold rewards and better scaling. They're all they usually also follow fall behind in levels because they don't get the kills and they don't farm at all. Right. They leave all the farm for their the champion that they're supporting. Um so they and they're also gonna be getting um experience bonuses uh if they happen to fall behind the rest of their team in level because you oftentimes do as support. Um so there's that. Let's see. Um Changes to a bunch of rewards for taking down key targets, so like towers or dragon, um, baron, large amounts of assists, so that'll change. It doesn't necessarily detail how. Um, ah, and then it's also going to be, there's going to be a rebalancing of runes and masteries. Runes and masteries are different pages that players can make um, where they set up different stats that follow them into whatever game or into every single game, and it's it's a huge advantage oftentimes. Um or at least beginning. It, okay, it's not a huge advantage, but it's enough of an advantage to oftentimes give you just enough of an edge to 
beat the enemy team in a, or the enemy player in one on one. I think I remember Caleb setting up my ruined pages for me. It's not something that you generally want to bother bother with until you're about level twenty or so, because there's actually three different tiers of rooms, but you can't really sell them back afterwards, and the smaller ones aren't that worth getting. Or maybe it was masteries. I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, masteries have three different um, three different trees that you can invest in. Sounds a lot like Borderlands. Um, <laughs> you have offensive, you have defensive, and you have utility. So just yes, this does point. sound familiar. Allocating those points, um, and you get one point for every level, for every summoner level that you get. Make sense? Kind so, of. So those are all the changes in probably more detail than you wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so Dota 2, probably one of the biggest competitors to League of Legends right now, just launched in Korea and Japan, and it's being published by Nexon. And I find it very, very odd that Valve had to get a separate publisher for that region and frankly, that I find it odd that they hadn't launched before now. That is weird. So I guess we just need to remember that international commerce is weird. Yes. That's pretty much about it. <laughs> and I, I'm assuming that it's still going through Steam because it wouldn't make sense for them to do it any other way. Yeah, because Valve made the game, so... Yeah. Alright. So a guy with the name of Tan Shar- um, Tansharoen I think is how you pronounce that last name. I'm not sure. T-A-N-C-H-A-R-O-E-N. Um, makes a web series called, or made a web series called Mortal Kombat Legacy. And that actually got the attention of some people in Hollywood, and he was brought on board the project to um, go and help with the Mortal Kombat movie that they were coming out with, which honestly sounds kind of silly. Any sort of fighting game movie I don't think would ever work because there's no story to follow. Um, and well, yeah. the the characters usually have some sort of backstory, don't they? Uh-huh, I suppose. Anyway, but the the news here isn't actually that he was involved in the project. That happened a long time ago. Um, what happened? Um, actually, after three years of being on board the project, he ended up withdrawing. Um, this past Friday. So, yeah, big, big hit for that game. But oh well, I don't have high hopes high hopes for it in the meantime. <laughs> and I mean, I hope that he finds something that he you know wants to work on. Yeah. So, Sony has finally detailed how digital game sharing will work on the PS4. You will have a primary PS4 that you activate on your account, and then everybody who uses that console will be able to play the games that you have downloaded, and if you have PlayStation Plus, then those people who are on your primary console will also get some of those benefits, such as online multiplayer. Uh, now, when you sign into a PlayStation 4 that isn't your primary one, you can still buy and download games from, you know, the the store and use your PlayStation Plus benefits. But no other accounts on that console can use your games or your um your PlayStation Plus benefits. Makes sense. Yeah, pretty reasonable. And actually, the um, Microsoft. the uh, so the the primary PS4 um concept kind of actually sounds a lot like the Steam family sharing, you know, where I can say, okay, on this computer, anybody that logs into Steam can use my games. Yes. Yes. And then you and I will be sharing Steam libraries because, hey, we're brothers. Close enough, right? Pretty much. I mean, look at us. We're like, you know, exactly the same person. Completely. (laughs) Because you are such a great musician and I can run so far. Oh, yes. You know it. I probably should have gotten myself into more shape because, you know, humans versus zombies. <laughs> Isn't that a couple of years ago how your um, 
your coach figured out that you were a good runner for a specific... Yeah, he. that's why he had me doing, like, 400s and stuff instead of longer things in track because, uh, yeah, he saw me sprinting to get away from a couple of other cross-country guys who were already zombies. <laughs> Curses. Boiled again. No? As long as it's fun, I suppose. Yeah. You have hairy armpits. I'm jealous. Woohoo! No chafing for me. Actually, the chafing stopped. That's good because it's been, like, two weeks, and if... Uh, if it was still going on, then you would, should probably go see a doctor. Yeah. Alrighty then. So, um, well, I generally tend to talk a lot about online games, massively multiplayer online games. Um, and so one of the more recent ones that's sort of interesting, it was there for a while, then it was taken down, and now it's back, Final Fantasy XIV. Um, let's see. The relaunched version of the second Final Fantasy MMORPG, Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, has already surpassed the 1.5 million accounts registered mark, according yeah. to Famitsu. Uh, so the, the, what's it called, the URL for this article obviously doesn't have a period in between the 1 and the 5, so I thought it said 15 million, <laughs> which would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody has uh, issues at launch for... for Online multiplayer games. Seems okay. like it would be unfashionable not to. Yep. Speaking of online multiplayer games, Star Citizen is the one that I am hugely looking forward to right now. Um, and they just hit their 24 million stretch goal. Uh, they've actually been kind of, you know, progressively just hitting the, the next million mark, uh, almost on a weekly basis now. And this one brings the, uh, an expanded public transit system. So if you, you know, lose all your money in the game, uh, and, you know, you don't have, like, a spaceship, or say your spaceship is on, like, a completely different planet for some reason, and you need to get to it, there'll be a nice, uh, public transit system to get you there. Hmm. And so it, it used to be, I think it was going to be there where you could travel from one planet to another, but it wasn't going to be as fleshed out as it is now. Like, they have lots of different options of starliners and, you know, maybe just crummy old boats that you can, you know, hire to get you places. <laughs> um, also, they came out with a, uh, a trailer for the Anvil, um, which is a, uh, a fighter that apparently in the in their universe has logged you know more uh, more combat hours and more kills than any other ship. And I absolutely hated watching this video because uh, in it the Hornet shoots down a, a one of the ships that I bought. <laughs> so yeah, not acceptable. Oh, you. I suppose you do get kind of attached to those things, even though they're not real. Yes, I do. And by you, I mean people in general, because I'm including myself in this statement. And since they already, you know, have the uh, the hangar out, I can go and look at my ship whenever I want to in 3D. Ooh. Yeah. Fancy. It's so pretty. <laughs> All right. So one of the most common arguments made against PC gaming is that it is much more expensive to make a PC um, that can run all the games that consoles can as opposed to just buy a console and use the console. Well, uh, I mean, what can you do? A uh, computer is an investment, not just a buy. Um, anyway, but so, gamer or game developing companies, and, or sorry, not game developing companies, hardware developing companies, <laughs> um, and computer building companies are oftentimes trying to find ways to combat this and get more people onto the PC gaming um, bandwagon. Bandwagon, I was going to say network, but bandwagon probably works better. Um, the so, cult. Almost, what? The cult. The cult, yes. <laughs> So Actually, that, that's literally what Razer calls it. 
the cult of Razor. Um, yeah. Hubris much? A little. I love but that I, word. I don't know why, but I love that word. I think Razor can, a few, uh, can afford a little hubris, though. Uh, maybe. Never a fan of hubris. How, how many shows or whatnot has it been the main, um, the main point of the show was look at how look at pride and look how having too much pride can bring you down. Not Iron Man. Fine. <laughs> but still, there's quite a few. So I don't know. Anyway, so the guys over at Alienware have um, come up with a solution to this problem. They are now offering $200 for old game consoles with PC purchase. And by old game consoles, this does not mean your NES. This means a PlayStation 3 or an Xbox 360 Slim, I think is what it was called. Yes. Um, The only downside to this whole thing is that you actually have to buy the game first. Or not buy the game, buy the computer first. um, And then you'll be able to send in your console with the receipt, talking about the rebate, and then you should find within about 40 days... um, the $200 deposited back into your account. So it's it's $200 mail-in rebate so long as you give them something in return. Yeah, that's kind of an annoying system. I should yeah. be able to give them the thing up front and then use that as funds to pay for the thing that I'm getting from them. You'd think. Yeah. Oh, well. So another game that uh, is an online multiplayer game and was supposed to be great, and uh, then I stopped playing it for... Well, because it was a subscription-based one. But that is Star Wars The Old Republic. And, of course, it's since gone free-to-play. And when they went free-to-play, they got a ton of people signing up all of a sudden to play this game. And a lot of those people, you know, checked out the game, decided that they didn't want to play it, and then left. So what is Bioware to do with all of these accounts that are, you know, sitting there, haven't been played in forever? Uh, well, they're going to take those usernames and they are going to put them back into the pool of possible usernames for people to choose from. And I'm pretty sure that my account is one of those accounts. So I'm going to have to go in before November 12th and, uh, you know, log back in and make sure that they don't think that I'm uh, not interested in the game anymore. Because I totally am. I just i am not playing it right now. Yeah, and I mean, you you might have been one of the original purchasers, but because you've been so inactive. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I'm I count as a free to play person at this point. Yeah. Seriously though, we should we should play that together at some point. The Old Republic. Yes. I've already got enough games. I've got one MMORPG. That's enough. Yeah, I know. But I mean, we can easily treat this one just as a Bioware game and play through the storyline together. I suppose. Yeah. That's... After Borderlands too. Yeah, because we're so good at getting together for Borderlands 2. Hey, we've been doing all right over the last few weeks. We were, and then midterms hit. Well, no, because it's been, what, we, we our original plan was to play together on Saturdays. And we did a lot more than that over the week preceding our last show. This is true. So I think we're doing fine. Fine. I'll give you that. Well, in the meantime, I'm probably not going to be able to, or whenever you're not around play, um... Uh, Borderlands 2, I'm going to have to get to some of the other games that I've been to play, including the Witcher series. So recently they actually sent out um, the franchise, the, uh, the Witcher franchise, um, a lifetime sales review demographic um, where they talk about stuff where like it's sold over 6 million copies of games within the franchise itself. Um, let's see. In the third game, Witchers can actually jump. Ooh, that's a big improvement. Um... <laughs> Let's see. There. That's yeah. what everybody looks for in their games. Yep. In the first game, there were three different endings you could do. In the second game, there were 16 different endings. In the third game, there are actually 36. 
different endings that you can do depending on the choices that you make within the game. Um, let's see, and there's also, let's see, in the first game it was, I believe that says 63 hours? Or sorry, not 63, 60 hours of gameplay. In the second game there were 55. In the third game there are going to be about 100 hours worth of gameplay in it. So it's growing in size both in the franchise and within the game itself, which I find rather ra- rather cool. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned about is are they going to make all these 100 hours quality gameplay or are they going to be focusing more on quantity? Well, so it looks like it's being split evenly between main story arc and side quests, which yeah. is probably a good way to do it because for people who just want to get through the main story, that, that means that they don't have to spend as much time in this game you know, and then can move on to whatever other game uh, they, you know, they want to play next. But for people who actually want to spend the time to go and do the side quests and get a lot more out of this game, then they can spend a whole, you know, 100 hours in it. Yeah. Yeah. Player choice. Always a good thing. Yes. So our main topic this week is a pretty awesome one. It's the Golden Joystick Awards. They, uh, I'm going to slap your hand for that. Do it. So <laughs> this uh, this is a, joystick. this is pr- a pretty unique awards show. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that lets the community vote on the uh, games that we think deserve each award. So let's just dive right into it. The best newcomer, uh, which best I assume best newcomer like a, like a cucumber. Yes, but it's new. Yes. Best new cucumber is it green? Uh, well, uh, unless there's something seriously wrong with it, probably. Anyway, best newcomer, which I think uh, counts as the you know a a new franchise that just started this year, is The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Not too surprising. No, the most wanted game. Go figure. Seeing as you know the past two have won best game of the year, mm-hmm. I believe, for PC games anyway. Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. And it's it's actually important to note that this is most wanted in general. So like they were going up against things like the Xbox One. Well, on the yeah, in the first on the uh, infographic, they also show which platforms it was available on. Um, first game. No, no, was... I, I'm I'm talking about like the Xbox One itself was in the category of most wanted. Oh. A- and people want The Witcher Three more than they want an Xbox One. Oh. Yeah. I see. Yeah, exactly. Well, then just to sum up what I was going to say really quick. It's just this is the first game that has been on all all of the major consoles: PC, 360, or sorry, Xbox One. And PlayStation, whereas there was a P- um, PC exclusive for the first game, and then um, PC and Xbox exclusive for the second game. You know, it's funny, though, is they're dropping Mac, which <laughs> used to be for the first two that it was available on. <laughs> oh, well. That makes me wet. So, best indie game, you. <laughs> best indie game okay. of the year is Mark of the Ninja. I still want to play that one. That I is the goofy one that we're thinking of, Yes. Uh, I don't know if it was Goofy. I haven't played it yet. Or is this the platformer one? Yes, this is a platformer. Okay, that was made by the same people who did Shank. Ah, yes, that makes sense. I remember that one. That one, um, I played a little bit of Shank. I haven't played that one, but it's it, it's actually a very good platformer game. Which Goofy one were you just thinking of? Um, oh, shoot, the one that looks like Duke Nukem. Ah, Shadow Warrior. Yeah, it's that one. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> I have to get money for it first. Well, I have to deposit money for it first. <laughs> Alright, so best visual design, go figure, Bioshock Infinite. Yep, and actually, so when I went and voted, I I think I voted for Bioshock Infinite for pretty much every single 
uh, category that it was in. Even best multiplayer? I don't think it was in that, that category. I would have laughed. Actually, I think I skipped that category because I was like, don't care. But anyway, best All multiplayer game was uh, Payday 2. Hmm. Makes sense. All right. I haven't gotten here yet. Oh, I'm excited. Um, best gaming moment, Far Cry 3, the definition of insanity. <laughs> Studio of the year was Naughty Dog, makers <laughs> of uh, The Last of Us. Innovation of the year, another little figure, the Oculus Rift. Funny that it's not out yet. <laughs> Still in development. Best storytelling, The Last of Us. Best online game, World of Tanks. Best handheld game, Assassin's Creed 3, Liberation, which is coming out on everything soon. Yeah, soon. I think that's February or January now. Uh, YouTube Gamer Award, Yogscast. Best gaming platform, Steam. True that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I suppose we're a wee bit biased being PC gamers. A wee bit. But it is also in PlayStation, so... In a very limited sense. I think that Portal 2 was the only one that actually used that. <laughs> Way to go, Valve. All right. Um, best mobile or tablet game of the year, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Game of the year, Grand Theft Auto V. Go figure. Kind of funny that actually it didn't win anything other than game of the year. <laughs> that is that is weird and interesting. So I guess it's, it's um, a jack-of-all-trades but master of none. Like, as, as a package, it excels, but its individual components, there were other games that were better than it in those specific categories. It's like that whole, fran- or not that whole franchise, that whole um, push that Riot Games is giving. Teamwork LP. Individual players themselves can be stronger or weaker, but it's the uh, team play mm-hmm. that makes or breaks a game. Sort of like that each component of the body. Sorry, never mind. I'm going into classic stuff. Let's not go into classic stuff on a gamer show. Uh, that sounded <laughs> like biology to me. It's... Uh, okay, it's just, don't go into it if it's not going to be interesting. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll make it brief. Okay. It's a speech that was given by one of the generals in order to calm the... Um, uh, oh, calm yourself, studio guy. Um, calm your tits. Uh, shh. Sh- sh- <laughs> um, General. Yes. A uh, general who was talking to the plebeian mass, or the plebeian masses, the plebes were the um, the working class of the Roman Empire. Um, and he was talking to them, or to the ones who were revolting and trying to calm them down and get them to go back to work. He was talking about how each different part of the body, though parts may seem more important than the other, they all have their own specific function that allows the body to work as a whole. So although an eye might be designed for seeing, it cannot hear without the use of an ear. I feel way. like there's a very, very famous Bible passage about this. I think we talked about it in church, because that was ringing the bell, too. Yeah. But this is also a speech that was given in the Roman Empire several thousand years ago. All right. Um, so, uh, well, speaking of old things, but not really that old in comparison, Hall of Fame. To the Hall of Fame was, active, the act, or was added the Activision game, Call of Duty. Or... Or does this mean Activision for their work on Call of Duty? I'm not sure. Oh, there are. Yeah. Activision's in there. Call of Duty's in there. And the Lifetime Achievement Award, which I think this is the first time that the Golden Joysticks have ever done a Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, went to Ken Levine, maker of Bioshock and uh, System Shock 2 before it. I think he deserves it. He's one of the big creative minds in gaming. Not Miyamoto? Uh, one of. <laughs> 
Not not Gavin? Well, I mean, he... so, But he doesn't, like, make many games anymore. I suppose. He's mostly focused... Well, but since it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe... <laughs> we'll have to see who, who it goes to in, in the coming years. Yeah. All right, and I believe you have some reviews for us. I do. So, the Stanley Parable, we... Uh, we talked about this last week because uh, it was coming out soon and uh, it came out now and I have it uh, thanks to the fact that I just had a birthday and I asked for a few games. Um, so the Stanley Parable is it's it's a game about storytelling and player choice in games and a lot of times it makes fun of those you know the, the tropes that we see in video games the you know the patterns um, the silly things that go on. So in this game, you are controlling Stanley, who's an office worker, and uh, Stanley goes, you know, he he goes to his office all the time and pushes button on buttons on his keyboard when he's told to. And one day, he suddenly realizes that he hasn't been told to push any buttons today. And wait a minute, like there's nobody in the office building. What's going on? And so you start off in your office and you go exploring and try and figure out, you know, why there's nobody around. And there's this narrator who's narrating your story, and well, Stanley's story, and uh, he will, you know, tell you what Stanley did. And there are tons and tons of places in this game where you can branch. And you'll have a choice, maybe, that, you know, the, the narrator says Stanley went left, but there are two doors. Well, which one do you take? Kind of depends on what kind of person you are. Um, if you, you know, start going in a direction that the narrator, uh, you know, didn't say Stanley went, he will actively tell you, no, 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 Stanley's doing it wrong now, you know, and, you know, at first he'll try to kind of rationalize why Stanley might be doing this, um, you know, and but eventually he'll just basically start addressing you as the player and saying, you're doing it all wrong, why don't you listen to me, I'm just trying to help, and there, oh my gosh, I think there's like something like 16 different endings in this game. And some of them are hilarious, some of them are thought-provoking, some of them are really, really sad, um, but almost all of them, uh, you know, have something to say about video games and agency within video games. Hmm. I might I definitely think, have to pick yeah. this up when I have time. And there so the more money than time. And remember, there there is a demo of the Stanley Parable that you really, really need to get. Even if even if you know that you're going to get the game, play the demo because the demo it doesn't have the same stuff as the game has. It's Ooh. the same kinds of jokes, but uh, it's a completely different you know area, completely different map. The the narrator has all different stuff that he's you know talking about, um, but they are both hilarious. I'd be willing to pick that up and take a look at that. Oh, yeah. Um, I of a movie, actually, that came out a few years ago called Stranger Than Fiction. I think I've where, heard of it. Uh, I'll read the, the blurb that um, IMDb has. An IRS auditor suddenly finds himself the subject of narration only he can hear. Narration that begins to affect his entire life from his work to his love interest to his death. Mm. And actually... Oh. That does remind me, there there was one of the endings where um, Stanley started to wonder why there was a voice narrating everything that he was doing. <laughs> and the narrator was talking about this, you know, Stanley wondering about this voice, and then he talks about Stanley wondering why the voice was talking about the voice as, you know, Stanley is wondering about the voice, and it almost devolved into just a never-ending cycle. <laughs> but he stopped himself. 
Um, I, I also want to talk about, so achievement hunting in this game doesn't even, you know, get away unscathed. There's, I think there's only, like, two achievements that you, that you get, like, through normal ways that you would get them in a game. Um, the rest of them are, you know, crazy stuff like, uh, um, okay, so there, there's this one that, uh, the, on the Steam achievements, you know, list says that you get it for clicking on door 430 five times. So I went to door 430 during one of my playthroughs, and I started clicking on it. And the narrator goes, are you really doing that just for the achievement? Do you think that achievements are so cheap that I'm just going to give you an achievement for clicking on the door only five times? No, you've got to work for it. And he sends me off on this merry chase all over the office building, clicking on different things, jumping up on the fax machine, you know, this... It was amazing, and by the end, he's he's just getting more and more excited, like, yes, yes, you're almost there, go for it, you know, you're gonna get the achievement, and then, <laughs> then finally I get the achievement, and he's like, wow, don't you feel accomplished now? <laughs> um, yeah. I need was... to get this deposit in now. <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite moments in the game. Um, there's also there's also an achievement for playing the game for the entirety of a Tuesday, all 24 hours of a Tuesday. <laughs> there's an achievement that says this achievement is impossible to get. Stuff like that, yeah. Piss you off. So actually, people have gotten that achievement, and I'm not sure if they actually found a way to get the achievement legitimately, or if they you know used a program that tricks Steam into thinking that you've gotten the achievement. Actually, because I I've looked at like a few discussion boards and nobody seems to know how to get that achievement. But who knows? On to my second review. Or do you did you find something? No. Well, I'm typing it up. I'm not sorry, not the Stanley. The Stanley. Um. Stanfree. Parable. How to get the achievement? This achievement. Um. This achievement is impossible to get. Yes. Something like that. Um, let's see. Okay, I have no idea that this is the intended way to get the achievement, but this, but it works. Here's how. One, close the game. Two, edit your config file. It is located in your Steam folder, for example. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this sounds cheating already. Yeah. But yeah, like, so there's also an achievement for not playing the game for five years, and I know that people have it already because they went into the game exited the game, set their system time forward five years, went back into the game, and got the achievement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I'm going to actually legitimately get that achievement, and I'm going to wait five years before I play the Stanley Parable again. You'll be married before you get all these achievements and nothing. Well, I'll, oh, you know what? I am going to go and set myself a calendar event in Google Calendar to remind me to play the Stanley Parable again five years from now. This is happening, okay? I am not forgetting about this. <laughs> You're pathetic. Meta humor. I love it. <laughs> now, I... the second game that I played for this week uh, is kind of similar from a gameplay standpoint to the Stanley Parable, but it has almost nothing else in common. So this is Gone Home, which is uh, another game in this, you know, uh, first person walking around with absolutely no shooting genre. Um, 
But this one's actually a serious game because you play as Katie, who's a young woman who uh, was just uh, traveling uh, in Europe for a year, and she, you know, comes home um, to her family's new house because they moved while she was away, and uh, nobody's home. And so you have to go exploring in the house and finding, you know, scraps of paper, notes, uh, and stuff, you know, to kind of piece together what's been going on in your family's life over the last year. Why is everybody gone? And, uh, it's, it's a really, really good story. Um, huh. most of it is about Katie's sister, Sam. Um, and so as, as you progress th- through the house, um, at certain points, there will be, uh, passages from Sam's uh, diary that, you know, Sam's voice reads to you out loud. Uh, they never actually addressed why you can hear these things in the game. Um, so I'm just going to chalk it up to you find the diary at the end of the game and, you know, uh, then, you know, Katie gets all of that information. But you, the player, got the information throughout the, the game. Um, and obviously, you know, her parents also have... Uh, you know, so, uh, some stories, but they're not nearly as fleshed out as Sam's story. And um, Sam's so Sam's story uh, actually seems like a lot of stuff to happen in a year because it it goes from you know her being kind of the new kid in the neighborhood um, and you know having no friends to being a a, a story about uh, you know just teen rebellion in general, and then it it's about her finding you know discovering her sexuality. And it's it's only a two and a half hour game, but they go through that whole arc in so two and a half girls. hours. What? Mean Girls. I haven't seen that movie yet. I probably should. Is it good? Watch it with someone who would enjoy watching it. Okay. That makes I, it worth watching. I think that would be most of my friends. Okay. Um, it's an amusing movie. I've seen it a couple times. That's really all I need to see it though. Okay. That one. Does that one have um, Emma Stone in it? Uh, I think so. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, back to back to Gone Home. Um, so they they obviously had to design the maps very, very, very carefully so that you discover the items, you know, that will give you the stories in a cohesive manner, you know, so that you get the story in order. Uh, and they actually did a really good job with that. Like, I only found a couple of things out of order, and that was actually because... One of them was because I missed it the first time that I went through a room. Oh. Um, yeah. So... Uh, and they and they designed the maps so that you know when you when you go into like the library area you're getting mostly the dad's story because he's uh you know a struggling author and it you know as you as you go into the the library you discover earlier stuff you know notes that he's written to himself and then at, when you get to the end of the library you you know get later stuff um so it it's a as long as you, you know, pick up things as soon as you see them, you will get the story in a way that makes sense. Hmm. Um, there was also there was also a subplot that I, I don't want to tell you too much about it, but it, it turned out to be a red herring. Like I thought it was going to be a big deal, and then by the end of the game it, it hadn't like nothing had happened. <laughs> um, there was also there were also a few moments in the game that kind of like made me jump and made me um, kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, but they, they, you know, turned out to be like, you know, ah, you know, just messing with you. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're playing with my emotions. <laughs> so let's, you, you played, uh, Dear Esther, right? Yes. So this game works so much better than Dear Esther. Good. Because, um, so the, the setting in Dear Esther, 
had absolutely nothing to do with the story that was trying that they were trying to tell. Oh. Uh, and and I don't know the the story in Dear Esther kind of seemed disjointed, and you know I didn't really understand what was going on until the end when it was like, oh wait, are we committing suicide? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> but Gone Home actually has a, a you know a story that I can understand and you know kind of relate to, uh, or at least you know empathize with. Yeah. And it's yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, definitely is a game that needs to be played in one sitting because if you, you know, stop playing it for a couple of days and then try to come back, you'll probably have forgotten some of the finer details. Uh, and those are actually really, really important in here because uh, things early in the story will relate to things later in the story and you need to r- make sure that you get the whole thing. Um, you forget how my brain works. I Okay. Remember, I'm the sort of guy who can do a conversation go off on complete tangents that would make everything or everyone else forget whatever the hell we were talking about and then pop right back to where I left off. Well, obviously I forgot that, so I'm not the kind of person. Yeah. Um, I would say since this game, it, it like I explored everywhere that I could, and it only took me two and a half hours, um, and there's pretty much no reason to go back to the game again unless, you know, sometime a few years down the road you want to experience it again, there's not much replay value, so I would say that a reasonable co- uh, price for this would be $10. Um, so since it, they're asking $20 right now, definitely wait until it's on sale. But when Which, it's on sale, it's worth getting. Yes, yes, it's definitely worth getting when it's on sale. Okay. And ironically enough, uh, that was this last week, because it was one of the midweek madnesses on Steam, and it was $10. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, shoot. Missed it. Also, if you want to try out um, an, a very, very early uh, version of the game, uh, there is a an old, uh, not really a demo, but it, it was it was an old version of the game that they made in Frictional's uh, Amnesia um, engine, and you can go and download that. Um, and it it looks pretty different, but I, I guess the that first level was uh, pretty much the same design as it is in the final game, so it's a good sense of. Uh, what the beginning of the game is. So was it like the the beginning of the game? Like they made the Amnesia mod and then they decided to make a game because they thought that the mod was good well, enough, I, or they couldn't do enough with the mod. And... I think so. They they were definitely going to be making the game, and I think they made it in the Amnesia uh, engine because that's probably what they had available to them. But the Amnesia engine is not, like, available commercially for other companies to use um, because Frictional, you know, doesn't want to... They don't have the resources to support other people, uh, you know, and help them out with the engine. So they, you know, when people ask them, they direct those people to, you know, either Unity or, like, the Unreal uh, uh, development kit. Um, But, like... I guess the the people who were making Gone Home had already made it in the frictional engine and then switched to whatever engine they used for the final game. Huh. All right. Well, it sounds like they did a good job, so. So we've got a, a couple of new releases this week. Uh, Batman Arkham Origins just came out, and so did Minecraft 1.7. Woo! Remind oh. me what was new about Minecraft 1.7. Uh, would you mind if I just uh, read what they had on um, PC Gamer for all the different bits and pieces, because there's a lot of new stuff that was added. Oh boy, a lot of stuff? Okay, go for it. Let's see. New world generation. Double the amount of biomes with tr- new trees and flowers and blocks. New amplified world option. Less ocean, more awesome. 
That sounds like it's going to be the biggest change to the game. New blocks. Two new types of wood. <laughs> stained glass with both blocks and panes. Excuse me. Packed ice, red sand, and podzol. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. P-O-D-Z-O-L. You looked it up when I read it. Infertile acidic soil having an ash-like subsurface layer from which minerals have been leached and a lower dark stratum occurring typically under temperate con- uh, coniferous woodland. Oh, okay. So dirt and pine forests. Yeah. Okay. Lots of new flowers, including double tall versions of current plants. The portals can be bigger sizes. Huh. Interesting. See, fishing added more types of fish. Redone the fishing mechanics. Now can catch junk and treasure too. Haha. <laughs> Um, and there's fishing rod enchantments that you can make. Maps. Put them in an item frame and hang them on your wall. They're extra big. Um, lots of new colors for lots of blocks. And now with less lag. Achievement and statistics overhaul. Both world or server specific. There's now both world or server, uh, or server specific. Gosh, I can't talk. Um, in multiplayer, it's announced to everybody when you get an achievement. You can move your mouse over this in the chat to see what it was. Some new achievement and statistic types were added. And zoomable achievements screen. Multiplayer enhancements. Servers can now put a 64 by 64 image called servericon.ping in the folder that you will see on your server list. You can see who's online before joining a server, move your mouse over uh, player count, as well as lots of hidden preparation for allowing name changes. Um, resource pack changes. You can now have multiple selected. They can completely redo your sounds, adding new ones or changing current ones, and servers can now recommend a resource pack for you to use. Oh, that sounds useful. Mm-hmm. To make sure that everybody has, you know, similar uh, tools to work with. Yeah. Well, if there's a sound one, I... Oh, gosh. We should do one for 8-bit. You know what I found out about recently? Um, I found out about... I think it's called, like, 256... Uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's so so instead of instead of the the you know typical cubes being made up of sixteen by sixteen pixels on each side, they're made of you know two hundred and fifty six by two fifty six pixels on each side of the the cubes. Huh. So the and and they're they're constantly going through and updating each item, each type of uh um you know, block and everything to have, you know, give it this extra fidelity. And you really, really notice it, for example, like when you're holding a sword. So instead of it just being like, you know, it's like a ton of tiny little ones. And, uh, and you know, so you, you get much, much greater detail that way. Huh. Without, really without losing the overall, you know, everything's made of blocks of Minecraft. Huh. Interesting. Alright, let's see. Oh, um, I'm still not quite done yet. Uh, chat and command improvements. Now commands from spawn mobs or block event, or blocks of any type. Um, command block minecart. Clickable links to, uh, to achievements and items. Click on somebody's name in the chat to message them. Ooh, that's, that's kind of handy. Um, completely, re- or let's see, lots and lots of technical work. Re- completely rewrote how the network works, how the multiplayer network works. Completely rewrote the sound manager. New graphics options. Basic shader support testing, and many bugs were fixed. Ooh, there are underground ravines. I mean, there were always underground ravines before, but oh, that was pretty. Okay, so I just found uh, a good video showing off the 256 by 256 uh, texture mod, and I'll I will put that link in the show notes. Sounds good. So next week. Uh, I'm not sure what kinds of reviews we'll have. Uh, I know that Sam Roth is getting Batman Arkham Origins, so I'll see if we can get him on to review it. Um, 
What? Ramsoth. Yes, Ramsoth. And uh, my YouTube channel should be up and running by next week uh, because NVIDIA's uh, Shadowplay is coming out in a couple of days, so I'll be able to record stuff and put them online. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for it, everybody. This is Ian Buck. I'm Ian Decker. Signing off. Indeed, Ryan. <laughs> um, Roland. Um, what that meant was, are you going to start yet? <laughs> yeah, I know what that meant. Oh, okay, well, just make some hand gestures so and, I know. And the answer is, Roland, we need to out. <laughs> Nobody's recording what we we're saying. We can have that be our Roland. So apparently waving video. your hands are going, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the sorry. video. How am I going to turn In this Ryan's video off? Speed. Yeah, I know, but I'm scrolling up and scrolling up and scrolling up trying to find... There's the picture. No, that's my face. <laughs> okay, I am Scrolling up, scrolling up, way. scrolling up. Oh, there's my face. <laughs> what? <laughs> scrolling up, scrolling up, scrolling up. Oh, there's my face. Woo! <clears throat> what? Dear sir, a serious error has occurred that prevents the program from continuing to run. You may help us prevent this error from occurring to f in the future by but reporting it to ArenaNet. But you didn't crash yet. Please press the send button to report but this error. But you didn't crash yet. You're still in game. I wonder if he's ever coming back. Is, are we unmuted? No, he's never coming back. Um, up, down, left, right. Down. Dive deep. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B. Start. Your mama. <laughs> Unacceptable. No, he remuted. He can't hear anything. Yes, he can hear. What? <laughs> Did you hear that? Well. Yes, we heard it. You, you should probably, like, mute us again. <gasps> oh, I did it. Because I've been saying worse. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just me. Oh, my god! Oh, but I suppose the recording can still hear you, too. Yes, it can. Mm -hmm.